Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Portions of the Oilers Now podcast are brought to you by ProAmSports.ca. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 135 in Edmonton, 1235 Pacific. Bob Stoffer with you, Oilers Now. Do you want to mention the best pizza in the city? Still making a great Royal Pizza, multiple locations in Edmonton to serve you, including the original Royal Pizza in Old Strathcona. Royal Pizza now out in Spruce Grove, second spot in Sherwood park and on a thursday the stopper recommendation at royal pizza is the mediterranean chicken it is old school big boy pizza everything is real at royal Corey hirsch was a longtime nhl goaltender who's involved in one of the most famous shootouts of all time in hockey and he is the vancouver canucks radio analyst and he joins us right now on orders now Corey, how are you i'm doing awesome how are you guys doing we're doing okay. Uh, you know, it's been a... You, you know what? It's and, and we had a couple conversations during the course of the year. It's been a strange season because there's been some stuff that's just defied logic. Um, you know, Edmonton, Edmonton and Calgary are not where everybody thought and envisioned they would be. I guess the question I'm going to open up with you with Vancouver is, are the Canucks kind of who we thought they were? Uh, you know what? I, I, I think they are. I think that with Brock Besser, I thought they made some strides. Right now, they have so many injuries that it's like it's just it's it's hard to watch. They have nine guys out of the lineup, but I feel like even though they're in one of the one of the worst positions, obviously in the league, you know, they're bottom three. They've actually taken some steps forward um, with a few of their players. You know, a few of the young guys, some of the drafts. The Godet's going to play tonight. Brock Besser. They're taking the steps that they need to do. They're just at the very beginning of it. And if they get a good draft pick, um, you know, it can speed up things so much quicker. Corey Hurst joining us. Corey, um, where where do we start? Well, let, you know what? Let's start with the Sedins because they've been so much of a story. But they're only playing just over 15 minutes a game. They're a combined minus 39. I think the world of the two guys, you know, they're, they're the type of guys that go to go to hospitals and don't tip off the media. They just go to, you know, go visit children's hospitals and that sort of thing. First class guys. I want to see them only play for the Vancouver Canucks during their career, but they're UFAs at the end of this year. What do you see happening there? That's a, you know, that's a really good question. And it's interesting. Everybody brings up how good of people they are, right? So, I always thought, yeah, 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 you can fill Rogers Arena with good guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> you really can. I mean, there are lots of good guys in the game. When I got here and I started to get to know these two and what they're like and, and what they do and the things that it's, – it's on another level. Like, these two are just uh, completely different than, than 99% of the guys that I played with. That's how great of people these guys are. So, with that said – I also think that, you know, Daniel can still play on the wing because he doesn't have to skate as much and he can be effective. But I think Henrik up the middle struggles a little bit because there's so much skating as a centerman and the league is so fast. So um, I don't know if they'll retire at the end of the year. No one, they haven't really given an indication. It's hard to give up 50 points for each of them. If you're the Canucks, how do you not, how do you, how do you not have them back? That's, that's 100 points out of your lineup for next year. Um, but the indication I get is is that 
you know, unless Henrik moves to the wing, uh, which isn't going to happen, it's going to be tough for Henrik to keep up as a centerman. Daniel probably could get away with it on the wing for another year. But the, you, you see it. I mean, the league is so fast now compared to what it used to be. Edmonton's slow. Edmonton needs to improve their speed uh, on the wings, right? I mean, that's, uh, you know, and so that kind of puts things in perspective. Now, there is excitement in Vancouver. You mentioned the, the top pick, and um, the Canucks have actually won three of their last four games. For me, I think Travis Green, when I watch Vancouver play, and I can't claim, Corey, to watch them every night, but I see a team that's fairly industrious and works hard. Give me, just give me a thought. I mean, are the fans here... Are they are are they overthinking it here with the Canucks down the stretch, especially given that the odds have changed on the lottery? Well, yeah, and uh, a lot of the I listened to the post game show the other night, and a lot of it was, you know, what are they doing? Why are they winning games? Stop winning games so we can get the first pick. You know, that's that the fan base really wants a good team and they want it. They get it, right? But you can't tell the players just to not win. It's not going to happen. No player would ever, ever do that and the coaching staff would never do that. With that said, they play an up-tempo style. Travis Green has them playing a really up-tempo, uh, high-octane type style of game and they play hard. Like, they, they really do. There's only, uh, doing the radio uh, analyst for the Canucks, I can maybe count three games where I came away where I was like, really, that was your best effort? Um, and in an 82 game season, that's pretty pretty impressive. That that's how hard that they work. And no, they don't win. They're not talented enough to win yet. But I like his style and the system that he plays. Uh, they've got a, a couple guys. Uh, you know, Jake Vertanen went sixth overall in the dry settle draft here in 2014. Uh, spent last year playing with Travis and Utica. He's been up and down this year. Have you seen progression in his game? I have, uh, especially from the start of the year. Now, Jake's the type of player that when he drives outside and shoots the puck, he's a really good, effective player. He's big body, uses his body, uses his strength. He can get outside. When Jake gets in trouble is when Jake thinks that he's Connor McDavid, right? I mean, yeah. And he cuts into the middle and he tries to make a cute, fancy play. Um, and we would all love to be that player. But that's not his game. So what Travis Green has done is he's really simplified it for Jake. And I think he's really, he's taken some strides and he's taken some steps to being a better player. Jake Furtan, will he be, you know, a a high-end 30-goal scorer? No, probably not. But he can be an effective NHL player every night if he plays like that. And Travis Green has done a great job with him. Tell me this. They've got two players selected fifth overall back-to-back years in Ole Olevi, who went uh, one pick after Yessa Pugliarvi in the 2016 draft, and then Elias Pettersson, who went uh, fifth last year, played over in Sweden this year, had a good year. Are these two players going to be on the Canucks, uh, uh, in the Canucks lineup next year at the start of the year? I could see Pettersson being in the lineup, uh, being a forward. Uh, as a defenseman, I think it's going to be tough for Yolevi. I think as a defenseman and a goalie, it takes longer to develop. That defensive position is more of a, a game-type learning thing, whereas a forward, you can make the mistake, right? And it doesn't end up in your net all the time. You make a mistake as a defenseman or a goalie, uh, you know, eight, nine times out of ten, it's going to end up in your net. So it's a little bit different. In that sense, plus Yolevi took some strides in Finland. He didn't have a very good camp this year. He's going to have to come in and prove himself next year. But the Pedersen kid, um, you know, he just he broke Kent Nielsen's record in Sweden for, for underage, uh, you know, a U-20 player playing in a men's league. Um, and he, Peter Forsberg, he passed. So this kid, this kid is really, he's really talented, really good. 
And the one thing about um, Vancouver is, is actually they're they're more they're harder on their veterans as fans than they are on the rookies. They really enjoy the rookies here, so I could see him coming in and and you know just playing and and doing really well. You played goal in the NHL. You know what it's like to play the position. Uh, I, I think, in fairness, you'd be the first to admit you were mostly a backup during your career. So the question I have, Corey, is: Do the Vancouver Canucks have two backup goalies, or is uh, Jacob Markstrom a number one? Well, Markstrom has taken some strides towards a number one. Um, right now, he's a guy that I think is a really good one B. Uh, he's uh, part of that's the team that he plays on, though. Like it's it's hard to give a sample size of a team that, like the Canucks, that give up a lot of scoring chances and, and aren't quite as. You know, you put him on a better team, what does Markstrom look like, right? But he's taken some strides to being a number one. Down the stretch, uh, when you see a save percentage from September to now, it's gotten better pretty much each month. There was a dip in December. I think this last month he's over 9.15. So he's taking strides. Um, do they need to go and look for number one goalie? Probably not. I would wait probably another year and see how Markstrom does. Demko's in the minors. You can bring him in. Anders Nielsen, I, I could see them moving on from him. He didn't have a very good season, and, and uh, which is unfortunate because I like him as a goalie. You know what? It's interesting with Anders. I don't know if this was the case with Vancouver, but he was pretty good for the first half of the year in Edmonton. And then he just tanked. He just yeah. it, and it just I recall when the Oilers played uh, the Canucks on January twentieth. I think that there were better numbers. Um, so uh, he obviously did he tank again in the second half? Is it, is, did he do the same well, thing? Yeah, he was hot and cold, right? Like you yeah. get great, you get really good games out of him, and then there was times, and then you would get. Um, I think it was that consistency level, right, that they were looking for out of him, and they just didn't get it. Like, he started the year, he hit two shutouts. He had back-to-back shutouts. Like, he was unbelievable. Um, and then slowly, he also got the back-to-back games, right? He also got the second half, the, the game where you go into, you know, you play the Rangers in New York, and then the next night you're playing an after, or the next day you're playing an afternoon game against the Devils or something, right? Like, he didn't get the best start, which hurts, too. But you're, you know, you have to perform regardless. Every goalie, backup goalie, gets that, and he just he did, he didn't get it done. And um, he needs he still needs a little bit of work on his game, whether that's over here in North America or he goes back home. That'll be remain to be seen. Corey, I got to ask you uh, five restricted free agents that I'm going to focus on here, and a couple of them are hurt. But uh, Sven Berchi, uh Marcus Granlund, uh, Vertanen, who we've already discussed, Troy Stetcher, and uh, Pouliot, Derek Pouliot, who we saw with the Portland Winterhawks, played with Travis Green before, won a WHL championship in 2013. Are all five of those guys, do you expect them to be qualified or, you know, get contract extensions moving forward? I, I think they will. I think um, I think all of them will. Uh, whether they're here in two or three years probably remains to be seen. If you have a championship team, are any of those guys on the team? I don't, right, I don't, I don't know. Um Sven Berchi had a decent year when he was played, but he was hurt uh, quite a bit this year, which is unfortunate. Marcus Granlin went from 20 goals down to, I don't know how many, he had six or seven this year, yeah. which is a step back. I think you have to see what he does next year. Um, but I think you have to qualify them, and then really next year you'll see where you're at. Because if the Sedins retire, um, you need those guys back in the lineup. If the Sedins come back, if Pedersen comes over, got it plays well tonight, then you're looking at a lot of different things. But I think you have to qualify them and give them a chance next year. But if, if this is a Stanley Cup team, if this is the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, are they on it? You know, 
possibly as a third line player, fourth line player, maybe not. Um, they're they're NHL players, but if you want to, there's a reason the Canucks are are in the bottom three, right? I mean, you know, these guys didn't have great years. Uh, one final one for you, and it pertains to a tweet of yours in the last week and a half about shot blocking. And, uh, and and some injuries uh, that come from it. Uh, I you know I despise as an example when guys play men's league. Even even if they're retired players, there's never a need in that situation to let anybody other than the goaltender stop the puck. But you have inferred to a certain degree that maybe there's too many players out there that are focused on shot blocking. So perhaps give us some perspective as a former goaltender on why you feel that to be the case. Well, and, and I used to be the opposite. I was like, yeah, you, can, you have to block shots, or you have to block. But now I'm seeing the way guys shoot, and they, they've kind of reduced the equipment a little bit to concussions and all that, and they've kind right. of taken. So I've seen too many guys get hurt, broken legs, you know, like a, a fractured leg from a shot through a shin pad. Like, really? Is that, was that, and then you lose a guy, you lose your best player for six weeks, and the NHL loses the best player for six weeks. But I think it's, come, it, it's coaching. It's over-coaching. We've got way too many coaches now, and everybody wants you three lanes, three layers of shot blocking. Um, I can understand if you're close to a guy and you need to step up on him and you need to get in, in his lane and get in his face. But if you're a defenseman or you're in the middle of the ice, I mean, I'm seeing guys diving to block shots and, and turning their backs. Um, you know what? Just let the goalie handle it, right? Like a shot from the blue line. Let, that's why your goalie's got equipment. And I understand the shot blocking. I get it. But you're losing valuable players, which at times might be the de- the difference between you making the playoffs and not making the playoffs, which to me is is ridiculous, especially with the equipment they have on. So I'm starting to go the other way. I think there's time and places where you need shot blockers. I think there's other times where it's like, you know what, you should just need to let it go and let your goalie handle it. You got to survive the 82 game season. I mean, we had this debate with Jordan Everly last year, right? Jordan didn't have a great playoff year, but he helped the Oilers get to the playoffs because he provided them secondary scoring. And it's sort of a similar conversation. Like, come playoff time, Corey, as you know, everybody hits and everybody blocks shots. But there are certain times, you know, you're, and this, I guess this comes back to the character and the nature of hockey and the culture of hockey. Like, if you're up or down 7 2 in the third period, and a defenseman sitting there right. up for a shot 55 feet out, are you necessarily going to sit there and, you know, sell out on the ball? Like, I do think there are, and people say, Stoffer, you're completely out to lunch. you got to play every single shift the same way. I don't know if I buy that. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't, but you know what? Then you got to go back in the locker room and look at the guys, and the guys are like, really, you didn't block. You know, there's, a, there's yeah. that culture. It's exactly what you just said. There's that culture of, of being, you know, responsible and being for your teammates. But there's also a point where I'm not going to break my leg when the, when the score is seven to two so that I, you know, I'm out for six weeks and, and it's two weeks left to go in the year and playoffs are like, you're right. It's just, there's a time and a place, I think, really. And I, 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 I used to be the other way. Now I agree with you. There we go. Well, uh, great. Uh, no minds think alike. I think that's what people are texting in right now. <laughs> hey, Corey, thank you for doing our show. Uh, we will see you uh, down there tonight at Rogers Arena, okay? Awesome. Thanks, Bob. You bet. That is Corey Hirsch, Vancouver Canucks radio analyst. It is 1.50 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. And I want to tell you, oh, yes, I do, uh, that portions of our show brought to you in part by 
our friends at World Floor Coverings. Tell them Oilers Now sent you and receive two times the air miles reward miles on your flooring purchases at World Floor Coverings, where they know a little about hockey and a lot about flooring. When we come back, we'll get to this day in Oilers history. This is Oilers Now. When you want to fly your Oilers colors with fan gear or outfit your fan cave, there's only one place. ProAmSports.ca Jerseys, apparel, headwear, and memorabilia from your favorite players and teams. Whether it's the NHL, the CFL, the NFL, MLB, or more, ProAm Sports are your fan cave specialists. And if it comes with a ProAm Sports Certificate of Authenticity and hologram, you know it's 100% authentic, hand-signed memorabilia. So no matter who you cheer for, ProAm Sports has got your guy. Visit their Edmonton show Showroom on St. Albert Trail. Fill your fan cave at proamsports.ca. That's proamsports.ca. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 153 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you along with Brendan Ulrich. Again, we will have a best of Oilers Now tomorrow. Brendan, you're going to be working on that. Who are you going to have on? Yeah, I'll be working late today, Bob. Uh, the great one will be on. I know that. All right. Well, that's always a good thing. <laughs> that's where I'm starting. We'll see what else I get in Doesn't there. get much better than starting there with the great one. Uh, this Day in Oilers History brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. Again, they've got the Oilers Now road trip package to Europe this fall. Call now to register at newwesttravel.com. December 29, 2008. See, Brendan, you know how to do this. Anytime there's a Dustin Penner reference... You like to get it in. The Oilers beat the Calgary. Brendan puts together the scripting by the show uh, for the show. If you haven't figured out, uh, the Oilers beat the Calgary Flames two one in Calgary to improve to forty thirty four and six. They just missed the playoffs with a late run that year. Dustin Penner scored the game winner. Uh, was that his? First, that was his first year in Edmonton. Uh, it was not great in oh seven oh eight, and then he was really good uh, in. That was not great the first two years with Craig McTavish in 07 08 and 08 09. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, Pat Quinn got the best out of him. Got 32 goals and 63 points on an Oilers team that was not very good. But uh, Penner had a big year in his third year in Edmonton and ended up getting the Oilers a first round draft choice that turned out to be Oscar Clefbaum in a trade. They also got Colton Dubert. He did not pan out. Of course, Edmonton gave up a one and two and a three. Uh, in terms of compensation. The last successful RFA offer sheet was uh, the Oilers signing Dustin Penner, but on this day back in 2008, got the game winner, 2-1 Oilers beat the Flames. This day in Oilers history brought to you by New West Travel. Again, we've got the Oilers now roadie to Europe in uh, in October. Actually, I think it might even leave late September, early October, to see Edmonton play uh, exhibition game in Germany and then regular season game, a New Jersey home game against the Devils in Gothenburg, Sweden. Reach New West Travel at newwesttravel.com for more information. It'll be Jacob Markstrom against Cam Talbot. There's a chance the orders will make a tweak uh, based upon who left the ice late today. Chance Slepyshev is out for Edmonton, and we could see Pakarinen in. And uh, Ethan Bear, at some point, he might be coming out here just to get a, a view from up top and then getting back in there. And I wonder if OV2 at some stage will draw back in the lineup. Well, time will tell on that front, but uh, you could also look at Secker as well. Um, again, coming up next, a global news weather traffic update with I. Lean Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen and I and Andrew Gross. And I'll uh, join you tonight on the City Ford Face-Off show at uh, 7 o'clock uh, Edmonton time with Reed Wilkins. So long.